Thanks for listening to the Unsilent Church podcast. As I was preparing for this intro and writing it down, I was able to recall from memory the pledge that we used to say a lot growing up in school. I hadn't said it in about 20 years, but it was able to just come to mind because we said it that often. It went like this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now I read that and... And Christians can hear the influence that Christianity has had on this nation, one nation under God, indivisible, to not be divided, with liberty and justice for all. But if there's one thing that 2020 made clear, not only with the election cycle, but with the events that happened over the past year, that statement isn't as simple as it comes off to be. And so in this episode, Ramon Pierre, Aaron Daly, a local pastor here in Phoenix, Arizona, Matt Mailer, a member of our local church, and myself get to speak to this idea and the ways that Christians have mixed their identity as Christians with their identity as Americans and the way that our allegiance is only really to one name, that of Jesus, and not in a nation. And so as much now, as we saw by the events happening on January 6th, the way that Christians have to come to a place where they detox from this wave of religious nationalism. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, too funny. Um, so, yeah, well, uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, uh, Aaron, of course, James, always always good to chat with you. Um, I've been eager to talk about this topic. Um, I Honestly, it's one of those topics. So, obviously, we're talking about January 6th and the events of January 6th. And to be specific, there's a lot that happened on that day. Right. But specifically, the mob of people that invaded the Capitol uh, to, uh, with the intention of kidnapping uh, congressmen and congresswomen, uh, and doing so having with Christian music in the background, Jeez. carrying crosses and Bibles in one hand, Jesus saves flags, and Jesus and Jesus saves flags on one hand, and the other hand, uh, guns and zip ties and nooses and mm. Trump twenty twenty banners. Mm. So um, it's one of those things where when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, that is crazy. And I don't know if, uh, if you guys have done this, but I've been reading more eyewitness reports since then. It was worse than yeah. I realized, yeah. like way worse. And and how close we came to what have been might have been a bloodbath, yeah. right? Um, Congress people getting, being mm. killed or just Secret Service being forced to sort of uh, shoot yeah. into into the crowd of people to stop them from grabbing Mike Pence, for example. Um, so a lot we could talk about in this, but I, I, what I'm interested in hearing about and sort of thinking through is what I would argue was displayed in that insurrection was uh, a form of Christian nationalism. You know, that's a term that people, that, that now more people are saying it's mm-hmm. been around before, but mm-hmm. now I, I would argue it's right in front of us. And so before we sort of maybe get into to that particular um, expression of Christian nationalism, sort of, I think showing my hand a little bit in terms, in terms of how I think we think through this. Um, Matt, you wrote a great essay for us uh, in our blog, uh, the Roosevelt Church blog. Um, that has been that was really helpful and in some ways really. <laughs> you wrote this before what yeah. happened. Um, hey, if you want to go read that blog, go to www.rooseveltchurch.org slash blog. I think so. Or you can just see it on the uh, the menu. Or yeah. on the main page. Or just yep. Google Roosevelt Church blog and it comes up or whatever. Hey, yeah. Get there. Yeah. Read the article. Yeah. Or you can scroll through our Facebook. We link to it. Um so maybe let's just start with this because because that term is being thrown around a lot and it, I think there's different versions of it. Uh, I'd be curious to hear you th- sort of think 
uh, talk a little bit about what did, what what is Christian nationalism? What how would you how would you define that? Yeah, so it's a good question, and it's um, I tend to have a bit of a broader definition because yeah. I think that there are multiple forms of this, but the most kind of salient right now is definitely this kind of uh, what you might call like Trumpian Christian nationalism that's yeah. really come up over the last four or five years um, with Donald Trump, um, and I think mainly that's because he's given. Uh, a, a lot of those people, uh, that kind of stage to, to come out with this, um, you know, as we saw at the Capitol, I think was a, was a big display of that. But um, if we're talking broadly, I think Christian, nas- Christian nationalism is a particular um, marriage of, of certain like uh, myths, traditions, symbols um, from Christianity to national identity, right? So um, I think one of the most, I talked about this on the, the blog piece, but I think one of the most, um, you know, pointing examples of that uh, this last summer was when Pence um, gave kind of, it's not really a sermon, but more of just yeah. like a talk at this uh, First Ballast Baptist Church, Robert Jefferson's uh, church. And, you know, he was in the middle of the church. He was talking after this choir, it sung all these kind of national uh, hymns, you know, so those national mm. hymns themselves, you know, um, America the Beautiful, uh, you know, other kinds of things like that, kind oh, of wow. also in their texts, Mary, you know, uh, God, country, um, those kinds of things together. But he had a podium and it had the symbol of the vice president of the United States, but he's in a church. He's in, he's in a, um, you know, sacred place. And so th- that in particular kind of, kind of gives us un- idea of union between um, national identity and Christian identity such that uh, those things are, are tied together in a specific way. And we see this um, on, in January 6th as well, you know, all, people coming in holding comparative flags, but also Jesus saves signs, you know, in this, in this idea that what they're doing is they're being patriots, but, but that's tied to their uh, following. I say that with air quotes, um, Jesus in some way or, or, or doing, or kind of establishing like the kingdom of God becomes, becomes tied to uh, the, the nation itself, you know? And so there's some kind of special uh, sanctity, um, religious Christian sanctity in the United States. Almost as, some as sense of duty even. Yeah. There is a sense of duty that, that um, American values are, uh, sacred and not just in the sense that that hmm. we believe that this is a good system of government and therefore it needs to be protected but sacred in the sense of like you so know chosen nation chosen nation it's holy you know something like that but but that holiness is not attached to the church it's attached to uh, the united states you know yeah. so I, I that's would be kind of a broad definition yeah. of that so um i mean you, we've i want we, i do want to get into the sort of the trumpian expression of that right um but like you have you do suggest that like you know we shouldn't first start in saying it's all bad, that there's something, there is, yeah. there's a natural desire to express your faith as a citizen of a country. Right. Is that? Is that- yeah. And, and this, this is something that I think is, is, is historical for, for Americans in general. I mean, yeah. you know, to, to, you can debate to a lesser or greater extent, but the founding, the founding fathers, the people who founded our nation had some expression of Christianity and, and were, uh, um, you know, enacting the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, with something like God-given rights in mind, some, uh, an idea of uh, of uh, human beings as being endowed by their Creator, you know, with specific unalienable rights or whatever, you know. So that that there definitely was that at the beginning, and that carries through. And so I think what's interesting is um, in reading about more kind of academic treatments of social, of, sorry, Christian nationalism. Um, the the definition of relying on the broad piece, I forget the book name right now, but they talk about how like um, when they did their um, their quantitative like studies and whatnot, their empirical studies, they found that actually um, a, a very high percentage of like the the black church, you know, were Christian counted as Christian nationalists, but have a very different expression mm-hmm. of Christian nationalism yeah. than mm-hmm. like Trumpian Christian nationalists, right? Yeah. And so that you can look at like 
I think an example of this I like is like MLK's Martin Luther King Jr.'s, you know, letter from a Birmingham jail, you know, and there, he, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah, there he has language that talks about, you know, um, how like the people sitting at the lunch counters that these are people made in the image of God and that, and that are, are, um, he uses very similar language, uh, that, our um, kind of national uh, identity in the sense of this more progressive idea of rights giving to, given to all the people. sins of the nation. Yeah. The sense of the nation and, and also the, the, the good things in our, in our principles that, yeah. that we believe that all men are created equal, you know, that that's not just something that we believe as a nation, but also that that's something that the church is supposed to work towards. And, and so there's, there is this uni- unification and uh, there, there are some places where the language he uses could, you could pull that out and, and, and kind of say that Mike Pence said that in the sermon or talk or whatever, it would have a very different connotation, you okay. know, kind of in that setting, but it would be something that he could say too, that Pence and MLK could say, but it would have very different meanings. So it's very interesting, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, so there, there's something to be said for um, wanting our country to uh, demonstrate certain values that we, we think are, are good and right. And, mm-hmm. and then we as Christians would say, and, they're good and right because they're grounded in a God of the universe. Right. <laughs> right? right. Um, so I think in, so there's some, so we're always, we as Christians are always interacting in the public square to be a Christian, to be an American Christian is to be a citizen of this country. Um, and so, and of course our values and beliefs will influence that. Sure. Yep. What went wrong? Do you guys think? <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, Trump, I think we're saying Trumpian Christianity, Trumpian, Trumpian national, this sort of Trumpian Christian nationalism uh, as I would argue was expressed on the six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as you looked at that, what, what, I mean, I think there's some obvious things, but maybe even some deeper things. I mean, what, what went wrong? I mean, Aaron, I'd be curious as you sort of saw that and experienced that, mm-hmm. like what, what, what struck you about like, okay, this is, this is not what it should be. Yeah. It's when you start seeing it move from a Christian in America yeah, yeah. to being yeah. An American Christian. Thank right. you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, say that. Man, that's, yeah. Say that again. <laughs> yeah, say good. that again. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Yeah. No. There's a a sense of where you felt my eyebrows. You felt heavy. the frown. You felt them go. <laughs> I was like, is that a talk heavy? Yeah. I think you say talk yes, heavy. Talk heavy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's like, there's oh. a sense where the Christian in America doesn't know the difference between being American and being a Christian. Actually. And that, that line that has been crossed seems for most of them to feel like um, they, 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 can, they have to be both. And that, that, becomes, that becomes very mm-hmm. clear mm-hmm. as Trump steps into office and I think knows things uh, that that he used for his own benefit and, and 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 captured the hearts and the language and posed in pictures and used media. I mean to to bring the Christian in so much so that the Christian just, as long as he said it, confessed it, said that this is the way it was, and promised a few moral trade offs, was willing to sell its witness for it. Yeah. And and that's I think the. The hard part is when you are in America and a Christian here, we have a, a really bad history of Christianity being in positions of power. Yeah. It's better suited on the <laughs> margins and it's better suited within the weak and the vulnerable mm-hmm. to be a prophetic voice to places of power. Mm-hmm. Christianity does not have a great history of people in power running nations. And there's all kinds of Christendom 
that has destroyed nations once those two marry together in such a way where we don't feel like exiles, but we feel like a nation of mm -hmm. Christians, you know? And, yeah. and so that, that kind of exilic language in a nation where we're exiles, um, prophetic, we can love, we can serve, we want our nation to flourish, changes to we've got to protect and yeah. we've got yeah. to, yeah. Uh, we have to idol, we have to stand and hold our hands over our heart and we, yeah. we got to love it with the depth that we love God. I do sometimes feel like we forget our heritage in that regard though, because in the sense that we can, can see ourselves as exiles or even immigrants in a foreign land, if we're citizens of heaven, we have heritage from people like Joseph who was at that point and then was sort of exalted to the second, you know, a very you know, typological picture uh, but then Daniel also, again, in a land that was foreign, that wasn't his, um, but in the same sense, elevated to a, a place of power and then seeing what they did with that power. Right. And so I do think there there are examples that we have there in regards to what happens when God's people are in power. But in the degree that we, you know, um, Francis Schaefer, Francis Schaefer wrote a book, How Then Shall We Live? And he talks about the Christian consensus. Um, and, and how this country really wasn't built um, on the foundation of Christian principles, mm -hmm. but more because of the influence of the Reformation, the nation was built based on a consensus that seemed to work best mm -hmm. for what they were trying to build. And so when the language of that is, is sort of woven into all the framework of our media, writing, books, philosophies, etc., you get this God bless America narrative that makes everyone believe that this is a Christian nation. And so then you have Christians believing like, oh, this must be God's chosen nation. And then sort of like, you know, misunderstanding that text that Peter is is talking to actual exiles. Um, but then not, you know, seeing the real heritage of people like Joseph and Daniel who were in those places. And then Jesus himself who said, no, we're not going to do power like the Gentiles do power mm -hmm. and lord it over people. Uh, but instead, we're going to be willing to lay that down and not come to be served, but to serve. Yeah, it does. It strikes me that what we're talking about is um, people pulling certain aspects of what it means to be an American citizen, right? Um, and baptizing them and saying, "No, those, that's definitively what it needs to be an American citizen." Right. And certain aspects of Christianity, uh, and uh, conveniently neglecting other aspects of Christianity, mm -hmm. right? Um, and marrying sort of those two together. I say that because um, I could see someone, Aaron, saying, "Well, uh, Aaron, you don't you're not, you're happy to be an American? What?" <laughs> you don't like being American, right? Like, is that, is it bad? I'm, I'm proud to be American, right? You know, that, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and we could talk about sort of that sort of approach. But I mm -hmm. think what's interesting here is when you said sort of this marrying of you know, being American, being Christian, it's a marrying of a particular version of being an American. Yes. Uh, which, you know, mm. which essentially is, you know, uh, gun rights, um, say state rights, um, uh, certain aspects of personal um, rights, individual rights, indi individual rights, um, some sense of like um, democracy. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah. Some sense of democracy and kind of a, or America first. So anti-globalist, right, right, that kind of right. thing. Like, that's what it really means to be an American citizen. Right. Um, and then, so they're taking th those things and saying, that's if you, you have to be, and, and, and frankly, a certain view of immigrants as well, mm -hmm. um, yeah. et cetera. So that kind of Americanism and then, so that's what we're really talking about, right? Not the, like, you know, I'm glad to be in a democracy type of citizen. Mm -hmm. Right. right? <laughs> um, but taking that and then attaching that to 
uh, kingdom of God language, city on the hill language. Yes. Yeah. So and yes. neglecting the like the hey, uh, Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. Right. But taking mm. more the like, oh, Jesus came riding on a horse. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, it was going to come riding on a horse one day to conquer. And so like finding those things and then melding it together. Mm-hmm. And the result, I would argue, is a, a kind of aggressiveness. Right. Yeah. Um, and a kind of always looking for an enemy to fight. Right. And that's right. A, maybe more the most mild expressions of it. Mm-hmm. So as seen in like a rally. Right. Um, but what I think what we're seeing is that those two things seem to be more and more now leading to more than just like, I get really hyped up at a rally. Right. It's more like, no, I need to take violent action. Yeah. Um, I need to, we need to claim this country. And I think that's the thing too, to, you know, it's, we're all here and I think we seem to be on the same page on this, but I, I've been sort of trying to get my mind around the fact that, um, at least from the interviews I heard, like there's people really believe this. Yes. Yeah. Like real, like they really believe, I guess like an existential, there's an existential threat to our country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in that like Americanism and Christianity, this blend that, which is sacred, as you said, yeah. that, um, is under, is that threat and, and, and is at risk? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't do something, it's all going to go away. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the world's going to fall apart. Yeah. Not just America, the world will fall apart. Right. Um, which then justifies like, I mean, it's, it's like, or there are soccer moms in that crowd, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, there was, you know, uh, out of off-duty police officers in that crowd. There's former military in that crowd. Former or Olympic teacher. swimmer. You know, know, former yeah. Olympic <laughs> swimmer was in that crowd. Oh my and, right? and in my in my circle as a law student, I mean, there there was a judge's son. There was there were lawyers. There were people that you would think you know would be you know, I, mean, I don't want to say imply that people are dumb, but like you know have eyes you know a little more eyes to see kind of yeah. what's going on. But yeah. So I so what do we do? As, as you know, um, I mean, I don't know. I'd be curious as, as you think of as a pastor. Like, what do you do when people, and then Matt, I'd look as you as a church member, mm-hmm. like, so there's like at kind of, kind of the ground level, like, what do you do when you're sort of around people who, who you know, I, and, and when we're leading people and you're around people, um, I've been struck by a number of people who haven't like, they agree that was bad, but they're kind of sympathetic, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to like this idea that like, you know, we're under threat. Um, and yeah. yeah, I don't know if they're aware of what they're, what they mean is what is under threat. They're, what, what's un, but what they mean by what's under threat is this um, American Christian nationalism. It's funny that because it, that's almost similar to you know when you watch certain movies mm-hmm. and they make you fall in love with the bad guy, you know yeah. because <laughs> of the because of the moral dilemma of what's going on. So um, I'll I'll take Black Panther for instance. I won't say bad guy, the antagonist. Um, in 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 Black Panther, uh, King T'Challa is the he's the protagonist. He's mm-hmm. the guy who has succeeded the throne is trying to protect Wakanda. And maybe there's some things that he hasn't made the best decisions on that there's disagreement in the camp about, right? Hey, we have all of these resources. Why aren't we doing things to help people out there? Well, then you have someone who was abandoned as a child, right? You, you have someone who there was a violent thing done uh, to his father. He was left forgotten. And so he came back with revenge. So now you have the person coming in to storm the country and do, do something that is not good for the country mm-hmm. right? and wasn't going to be, and wasn't good for the world. But when you kind of understood what was like, there was a sense in which the, the, the narrative is written. And this is a little bit different, but there's a sense in which the narrative is written in order for you to sort of like um, feel sympathetic for the antagonist. But in this situation, that that's, <laughs> that's hardly the case. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. 
And but again, the the narrative that that then gets spoken and written and preached in in even some cases around it makes then starts to form that sort of sympathy around it. So I, I just wanted to 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 think about that because it feels like a movie in that regard where you're yeah. like, man, why why are we feeling sorry for the for the bad guys? Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of it is we feel sorry for what we understand. So we have sympathy for those we understand and we condemn those we do not understand, which is why we tend to defend sins that we get. You know, mm-hmm. a man struggles with sexual immorality and we go, oh my gosh, you know, I get it. I get that sin. I understand how hard it is and we have sympathy for it. But maybe we see somebody who struggles with homosexuality and in that we go, condemn it, right? Because yeah. we don't understand it. it. It's not something that we have sense of what that feels like, maybe as as a heterosexual man, right? And you see people storming the Capitol and they go, I get why they're angry. I, mm. I understand and I sympathize with it. But when they see Black Lives Matter doing the same thing, mm. then they go condemn it because they, they don't get it. Violence, they don't get why they're so angry. They don't understand. And mm-hmm. so what ends up happening in the church is we resort to anti-gospel means. We, we seek justification in other places outside of grace and outside of Christ. Yeah. We justify our behaviors and we justify others' behaviors. We justify the morality of our presidents and statements that he says and all these kinds of... We seek justification in anti-gospel places. And this is where the most discouraging part for me is as a pastor. It's not even really in kind of the worldly approach to it. The, the sad part is that these are people in, in my church, these are people in our churches who have been sitting under discipleship for a long time. Mm. And as you see them there, in, in some ways, I grieve and wonder in what ways have I not discipled them right, rightly? In what mm. ways have we not confronted things we should? Uh, you know, and I, I question those kinds of things in my own, in my own walk as a pastor. Yeah. But at the same time, I also realize they've been swimming in it all of their life. Like they don't know another way. This is literally what they have been trained in. They've been uh, holding their hands over their hearts since kids and Mm. uh, pledging allegiance to these things. Mm -hmm. And they've, they're, they've been taught these ways and it's, it's, it is truly uh, a detox. If you're going to get to that spot where you see it in a totally different Mm. direction that the church has to really start to step in and be serious about discipleship. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to ask. I go, how then in some sort of practical, methodical, long-term, how do you get to that detox? Because as you're talking, I'm thinking about that verse in Hebrews that talks about meat is for the mature who by way of use have trained their senses to know the difference between good and evil. Yes. And you would think that comes through like disciple discipleship as we understand it. But but then as we think and say, well, well, we've been sitting under this. I put my hand over my chest when I was a kid. I remember doing that in school. I remember when they took it out of school. Right. I, I remember all those things, but then I, I, over the years, something about that, that citizen of heaven language did something else. Mm-hmm. Right, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be would be made known to the powers and principalities in heavenly places. Mm-hmm. 
somehow that kind of language, do you not know that one day you will judge angels? That language somehow was like, man, that's really dope. I, I, okay. If that's what it really is, then what, like, what does the ethic look like in the sense of like, again, Vermont asked the same question. What, what then do we do? What, how then shall we live? Right. If discipleship, as we understand it, preaching and Bible studies and visiting at homes. But how do you get to that level of, you know, national detox to where we don't become so, so national? And I don't think that's new. Like, I, I think Acts 1 6, is it at this time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Mm-hmm. I think they were doing the same thing. And he was like, no, it's not for you to know times that are fixed by my father's own authority, but you'll go here and then you're going to spread this to both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's not just about this one, one nation. Right. Right. It's good. So how do we get people, how do you get people to that point of detox? What does that, what does that even look like? The first, the first step is the hardest step in my opinion. And that's being willing to lose a significant, especially if your congregation hasn't already confronted this. Mm-hmm. If you have maybe in other seasons like Vermont, myself, different others, who's kind of like been in this kind of game for a little while longer, mm-hmm. took hits early on. Mm-hmm. But there are churches who their whole church mm-hmm. is sitting under that. And mm-hmm. the only way is by an initial confrontation. The initial confrontation is going to shake out so much and it causes so much pain that's the initial one and the initial loss causes the most fear in most pastors to go this is going to kill us if we step into this and then there are incremental type steps that you can do in community that i think are really helpful but the initial one just seems like such a hurdle that if you say anything you've already been labeled you've already been you know, told what you are, you've already have a camp and the church is so divided on this Mm -hmm. that you end up, even if you're trying to walk a quote unquote balanced line, Mm -hmm. the lines are already been drawn. Well, I think that's part of the confrontation that has to happen here. Um, I I don't think this is a balanced line moment. Yeah. Um, I think whether you voted for Trump or you didn't vote for Trump, like we should all be in agreement that what happened on the six was terrible mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and demonic it, it, it's worthy of paul's uh word in, in galatians one it was anathema yep. mm. yeah it was another gospel yeah because um you know last year uh there were a number of legitimate and peaceful protests right but also there were there was some writing and sure. looting um which if wasn't said clearly before it should be clearly said it was bad wrong yep. it hurt the cause of those legitimate protests right mm-hmm. yep uh, however when um people were invading scottsdale fashion square they we're not doing it in the name of Jesus, right? They were right, doing right. it in the name of Facts. getting more Apple products That's and designer yeah. stuff, right? That's very true. And so there, there's a level of condemnation we need to give to that writing and looting. Um, like the, don't, yeah, don't steal, true. right? Yeah. <laughs> but the kind of thing that we need to say about January 6th that all Christians yep. Yep. have to be on the same page on, I would argue. And if they're not, I, th- I have some deeper questions yeah. to ask. Mm-hmm. And you may still say, like, yeah, I, I, I still... I, I still believe in why I voted for Trump. You may still be a Christian who says that. However, January 6th was another gospel. Yeah. It yeah. was another gospel. Um, what was projected 
to our country and what was what's I think is is clear from multiple reports was there was very much this sense of we are warriors for Jesus who need to go and execute these members of Congress yeah, yeah. Um, for the sake of of Jesus and Trump in America. Oh uh, no, that <laughs> anathema. is anathema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. anathema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and so and that will shake people up, right? But that's that's, that's shaking people up because of you're confronting their idols. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, we have to say. I say almost we have to let where the chips fall the way they may. Some of us, you know, will hopefully can confront people who will repent like David. Others may be like Jeremiah mm-hmm. and thrown into the pit for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's it still needs to be said. Yeah, um, yeah. for the sake of then doing the work of saying, no, what, let's remember here is the gospel that's been given to yeah, us. Right. Because, you know, it's almost that that's the more dangerous thing when, you know, a little bit of truth with a lot of lies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of truth, Jesus. Yeah. I'm with Jesus. But you want to add all these other things to it? <laughs> no. Yeah. You can never let that happen. Yeah. It's taking the Lord's name in vain. I, I don't want to miss the moment that what Ramon just said there and did in that moment not many pastors are doing. So if you're in a church like that where someone is literally calling out idolatry with a call to repent and come to Christ, that is needed across all churches, right? And I appreciate, Mm -hmm. Ramon, you doing that. I pray more pastors will do it. And when we call discipleship of those who are following Christ, we have to be careful that we don't relegate the pastoral role to just like caring for people, right? Rather than there being a sense of like, this is very pastoral and you don't pastor wolves, you pastor sheep. And if there are those who are in the flock that are, are not, uh, you know, following Christ and that are of another, they need to be called to repentance. And so, Doing that is a painful thing, but we've got to get pastors, leaders to have a prophetic voice and and to be able to make that initial stand. And so I I do appreciate that about Roosevelt and and Vermont and other well, churches that too. are doing it. Redemption Hammer is doing it too. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Matt, I mean, do you as you interact with people? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're at ASU, so I'm assuming that the population is a little bit different. Yeah, and it's not not a ton of interaction right now because yeah. we're all we're all on Zoom. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm just curious in terms of uh, you know your your context of the different places you've been and other things like yeah. that. Um, how you've encountered kind of sort of Christian nationalism, how mm. you navigate that, whether it's within in college or you know Christian relationships or yeah family background home background whatever whatever that looks like and how you sort of navigate that yeah um i i'm fortunate enough in that a lot of my more like intimate circles with like friends and family there's not a lot of that that i have to deal with so i feel fortunate but <laughs> some of my friends you know i come from uh, fresno california in the central valley it's a very republican place in california um so there is actually a lot of uh uh um, kind of that Trumpian Christian nationalism there. And I talk to my parents a lot who have friends who, you know, um, espouse that. And, and I think one of the difficulties in, in interacting with people is that they're, they're angry, you know, yeah. and, and they're very angry and it's difficult to deal with anger. It's difficult to deal with other people when they have a separate set of facts that they're working with, you know? So when election fraud is happening, you know, they can, don't really point to like the evidence is shaky, but like they know it's there, you know, it's there. And, um, it is difficult. I think, I think I've found the best tactic is not 
you know, to approach them from a, I'm better than thou, you know, kind of, kind of perspective. I even think it's not even uh, that helpful to approach them um, politically. So even, even to just say like, you Mm -hmm. know, well, did you see the court cases? And did you see the fact that like (laughs) Mm -hmm. they all got tossed out because there wasn't any evidence and they didn't meet the evidentiary standard, you know, that that's not helpful either, you know, but I wish it was, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the problem. I can't show you facts. Right. Yeah. They're, they're two separate kind of, kind of realms of facts or it's, or the, the, um, the, the bad facts are, interpreted away as yeah. you know in, in some way that's that's not verifiable or, or disprovable you know so so that's that's difficult too but um you know i think approaching it one of the i think fundamental issues with uh um christian nationalism that goes awry trumpian christian nationalism uh is that there's this inappropriate hierarchy of allegiance right so so that yeah. the, the the national identity becomes synonymous with or or even above the christian identity right so so i think as a member of a church you know what what i can do is demonstrate in some respects that appropriate, you know, uh, hierarchy, right? So if I, if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody, right. And, and they, they're angry or they're scared because, you know, Biden's going to make this into a communist, you know, socialist country and we're going to lose our, you know, our, our way of life or your traditional values and whatnot. You know, one of the things to do is just say, well, since when, you know, when has the church ever put their hope in, in, in a nation, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, like, you know, Paul, Romans 13 says, you know, to honor the emperor, you know, and to, you know, and, and first P, and Peter and first Peter too, you know, to, to honor the emperor so that you, you know, can have a, like this, this witness, you know, people aren't going to look at you and say, and you have to remember that at this time, the emperor was claiming to be God, you know, like Caesar was, mm-hmm. was putting himself on coins and, and elsewhere and having and receiving worship, you know, and even then, you know, Paul says, you know, to honor the emperor, you know, which is to me, it's just insane, you know, but, um, you know, and, and so in that respect, I can say like, when, when have we ever put our hope in, in, in secular authority, you know, um, and then, you know, point to those passages, talk about that and, and, and approach it, you know, model, you know, you, the, the church member coming at the problem as a Christian, not as a political member, yeah, not as, good. not from that political kind of rhetoric. So I think yeah. that's one way. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's just a way of, of, you know, what, wherever you're coming from on this, just um, you know, framing what we, people get very passionate about these things. Right. And so, and yet putting the, that framing it in a different context. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm passionate about you know these, these ideas or these values or these laws. Um, but I'm passionate about them as a fellow Christian with you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and I would argue um, as we discuss those things, we should, if there's a difference, it shouldn't be over the same values. We should have the same Christian values, mm-hmm. values of love your neighbor, right? People are made in the image of God. Very true. Uh, like that, th- we should, if we have differences there, then we might be, again, anathema, a curse, right? A cursed gospel, right? right? Um, however, if we have the same values, then maybe our difference is, okay, what's the best way to wow. practice yes. those values? Yes. But I'm going to tell you that that feels a little bit, that is going to lead you to a very, very uh, much different type of interaction, and I would argue less. I mean, it might still be a little heated right, and passionate, right. but it's you're not impu- impugning the motives of that person, yeah. right? And, the, and what drives that person? And I think that's so much of what's happening right now is people um, sort of this Trump and nationalism is really geared towards making all people. There's no neighbors, right? Everyone's the enemy, right. yes. Unless you're in our group and you believe all the things that we believe, yes. Um, and because of that, because the enemy is at the gate everywhere. We need to do everything possible to fight against it. Yes. Um, once you're there, I mean, it, that you only get there if you've detached this, every things that you said, we, you've detached yourself from having an ultimate identity in Christ. You've detached yourself from right. having your ultimate values be grounded in the kingdom of God. Once, once you've detached yourself from that, then you're very, sus, you're very prone to, yep. yeah. to falling into 
into that mode. And I would say also, I think one of the the big issues um, here is also detaching yourself. It's, it's related to the kingdom of God, but detaching yourself from the identity as not just a Christian, but as a church member, as a as a, a part of the, oh, f- yeah. the physical, the local church, you know, yeah. temporal church, you know, um, yeah. in, in a way that's difficult, I think, for a lot of uh, evangelical Protestants who have kind of taken in this American individualism, right? And so the, the faith becomes private or uh, privatized, right. um, or you know, um, in a way that's not healthy. And so I think what we see is is a sense that like because there isn't kind of an appropriate space in their lives for for church identity. Then national identity fills that in yeah. in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we, I think, a church as the church, the church needs to stand up. I think and you know reclaim the name of Jesus from the January sixth, you know, uh, riots. You know, uh, <laughs> reclaim the identity as the church. And I think that means also you know pronouncing these other people anathema. You know, but I think until until we locally. Uh, state national church, you know, um, broadly speaking and come together and, and, and pronounce that, you know, then that's, that's going to be difficult. Um, this is not off topic per se, but it's a little lighter of a mood because I've heard, I've heard, (laughs) (laughs) I know we, I know we're so deep and like, you know, it feels very angry and like, man, they're anathema and it's true, (laughs) but especially for, for Christians, those in churches and even those who might need to be confronted and where there might be pain. Um, I remember when my wife and I went to counseling, not for any grave issue, but just for the health of our marriage. Um, and not only that counselor, but just couple friends will say this statement. You are not my enemy. And there would be this practice where you say that they say, make sure remember that whenever you're getting into some tense argument or you feel like the way you're doing things is different or your style might be different than her style or her style might be different than your style. One, remember, you are not my enemy. And then say that to that person, you are not my enemy. And I just wonder how much of that we as the church just need to practice with one another a little bit. Just because of the differences already uh, that are there to just go, look, like you you said, Ramon, let, let's talk about the values first. If we're coming from the same values, then there's already a sense in which, hey, I don't need to cast you off as because you're not in because you don't like to do because you don't want to accomplish the task the same way I would accomplish the task then I'm, I'm going to start labeling you as another the other the bad way of doing it them the emergent the whatever right I do think there's a practice of like hey you're not my enemy now for those who are saying execution and this sort of thing in the name of Jesus that is anathema right for right. those who are preaching another gospel y'all anathema Get out from among them. Salt water, clean water. Don't do it. You know, get out of that. Do mm-hmm. not touch the unclean thing. But but for I do think there is an element where I think there are some where it's like, hey, I think we have a difference of method here. Um, I think you do love Jesus, um, but this isn't it, yeah. and this by right. no means is close. Right. Yeah, and I think I think there is a degree to say, hey, you're not my enemy. But some of that is, and and it's not okay yeah. to sympathize just because you might be angry because of a particular issue. Let's talk about the issue. Yeah. But you're not my enemy. Some of them are. Let's just be clear at least about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because there's like uh, a lot of labels that people are putting on people. I, you know, I've been called everything in the book. You know, these last years. I yeah. mean, and and people go, well, you're a socialist, like 
socialism is an attack on the gospel and not an attack on capitalism. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's the sense of you have, I have, I just went to Italy and met with a dear brother who's filled with the Holy spirit. Who's in a socialist society. Who's a socialist and a spirit filled follower of Jesus Christ. And the realities of that is we put these things on. Like if you're, if you have, socialist views then there's no way you could be a christian right and so you're a socialist or you're a marxist or you're a liberal and we we start to put at the same level capitalism or democracy yeah. on yeah. the same level as what it means to be a yeah, follower we teach of Christ. as doctrine the traditions of men right That's exactly what and, and so what mm-hmm. we really have been trying to press i think the, the gospel is such good news right now that <laughs> with all the bad news the gospel is the good news. Yeah. And what we need to be showing people in the midst of this is like, is like the basics of like the expulsive power of a new affection. The only way someone's not mm. going to be so in love with their country mm. that they would worship it is if they fall deeply in love with Jesus and that love for Christ puts in priority all other loves and crushes mm. those loves, right? So mm. an, an exaltation of Christ, like a rich Christology, Christ being lifted up, a love for him allows you to see this mm-hmm. whole hodgepodge of weirdness mm-hmm. and go, what do, what do we really, what is worth really putting at that level where it's anathema and what's really putting at a level of going, look, if they if they see Christ be lifted up and exalted and he's, the top love of their life, then all other loves just become, they become crushed under that. And that's the only way to deal with idolatry. What is discouraging is the church seems to be dealing with idolatry by yelling at those with other idols, mm. by calling them to hate those idols, by trying to make them, uh, you know, by trying to make them like see the danger of those other yeah. idols and they're not exalting Christ over all other I- idolatries. And seeing that he is the true living mm-hmm. life in all of that. And what that ends up doing is, is it, it puts Christ in, in, mm-hmm. in the right spot and then exposes our idolatries, crushes right. those, and then allows us to love our nation with the love of Christ, not with like a idolatrous type of love. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think Christ-centered preaching like you said, when you see the beauty of the gospel, then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that's how you detox. Mm -hmm. That's how the stuff starts falling into line Mm -hmm. for you. That's how you start being able to divide between, you know, joint and marrow. This is where all of these kinds of things that seem so complicated to divide and discern without the spirit, we can't, we cannot do it. And so I, I just hope that we start going back to yeah. not only being in community, which is so powerful, right. yeah. but exalting Christ as like the good news that will crush every other idol in your own heart. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. going to set priority straight. Can I speak to something that you did earlier? <clears throat> Just in, in response to what you're saying, because sometimes I, I, I wonder if there's a, I can't help but imagine people going like, well, there was a time because of the way the, the people of God were, that Christ felt it necessary to tie a weapon flip over tables. There's a time where the idolatry got to the point where it's like, you got to turn some things over and they might reference Josiah the king. It's like, Hey, go tear down those high places now. But, but even as you speak towards the, the preaching of like the beauty of what Christ in this kingdom means. One of the things that I love that you did Ramon was the way that you could clearly 
and precisely describe what the moment of January 6th was. Mm -hmm. When they said, hey, we're marching to go in there and in the name of Jesus, violently kill and insurrect because of because we because we don't like, you know, whatever. Um, And to say, no, that is that right there by definition is false gospel. I think that kind of clarity and precision, I think, is sometimes what's missing. Yeah. Because we'll we'll speak, but we won't speak with very much clarity. We'll speak in general topics yeah. and ideas, and hey, there was a moment in this and this seasons, and but to say, hey, this specific thing done in the name of Jesus, if people are coming to you with that message, let them be anathema. Yeah. I do think that's necessary, Absolutely. and calling out those things specifically, and then. Uh, and then replacing that with a, a more mm-hmm. beautiful picture. Yeah. You know, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's helpful. I mean, we, so we, what I'm hearing is, yeah, there's things we need to clearly confront and confront it as specifically as possible. And I think that helps too, because there's some, I, I've heard people, well, I was in DC. I wasn't part of that, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> um, but if you saw it, like we, let's agree, even if you were, you know, uh, right. a couple right. blocks away, let's all agree that that, um, that was wrong. And the reason was wrong was again, we keep using the words Galatians one, mm-hmm. someone presents you in another gospel, let him be accursed anathema, right? For those of you who are wondering what that word means. Um, mm. So that's, so we're saying we're agreeing that there's things to be confronted and to be confronted the green, which it's another gospel blending of Jesus, and other things. And then more positively, I like what you guys have been saying. If I could sum up, I mean, it's, um, reclaiming our ultimate identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's affirming our common yeah. values. Mm-hmm. It's um, putting forward a vision of Jesus yes. that is so powerful and compelling and, and beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that any other loves, any other th- people out there, any other, um, whether it's the politician themselves saying, hey, come love me, or the system around that politician. Right. Right. And there are certainly politicians that have been over the last couple of decades that have sort of a whole system of like, Holiness has been formed around them, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're the they're the they're the way they're gonna. They're, I mean, our election cycles basically present our politicians as messiahs, right? Right. right. Um, to so to show that any love that you offer to them is nothing. It's peanuts. It's it's, it's it will hurt you, right. right? And it won't get you what you want if right. you love yep. this politician as compared to Jesus. Right. Be in love with him, mm-hmm. and to offer that more and more and more. And I think as we do that, I think hopefully that that, that frames us and and. and protects us against, mm-hmm. I think, some of the pulls that are happening right now and I think are going to continue to happen. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I loved that, what, Matt, is that your name? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. But the, the thought of the church is the witness of that. Right. To prophetic witness to the world. Mm-hmm. And when we start to live, as, as uh, Ramon just described, they should be able to see the kingdom of God in a foretaste or in, in a community of people on earth as it is in heaven. on earth as it is in heaven, that people mm-hmm. would be able to go. And that's why our local churches really do become important. Mm-hmm. They become very important pictures of the kingdom that living under this banner of Christ. If we cannot say, well, yeah, Republican, Democrat, black, white, brown, all kinds of people should be able to worship together under this banner and come, you know, and, and, bow a knee to the, at the foot of, of, to the true King. Yeah. To the King of King Jesus and to be able to worship in that place. If we can't do that and we're calling a nation to do that, then there's some real, there's some real problems. Right. And so the church becomes a picture of Jew, Greek, slave, free, all, all kinds of people being made one male and female 
one in Christ that then people go, how are they doing that? Like, we can't do that with our politics. We can't do that with these. How are they doing that? And that's why I think the point that Matt brought up of the local church, it's essential. Like, it is essential. Like, the Christian politic that we should be showing what the kingdom of God looks like. It's, it's, it's essential. Right. Amen. Um, thank you. This was, um, I don't think there's a more beautiful picture. And so, um, thanks for your time. Thanks for your, uh, insight. So Mm -hmm. as John would say, but he's not here. (laughs) Love God, love people. You're out. Peace.